Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What's in a name? How do you even go about choosing a name? Well, you could go by off how it sounds. So for our children born in the UK, in Manchester, in the north, we didn't want names that ended in y, in y, so like Tommy or Billy, because in a Manchester accent, they end up as Tommy and Billy. Well, then there's the name, what the name reminds you of. So my wife Sharon was a high school teacher when she was pregnant with our sons, and there was a whole load of names that were simply off the cards because they reminded her of some ill-mannered, difficult teenagers. And then there's choosing a name based on what it means. So Colin, my name for instance, depending on which website you uh, believe, my name means either Victory of the People or Puppy. Our daughter's Welsh name, Mavanwi, means Beloved. Well, today we're looking at how Joseph and Mary came to give their child his very special, very different name. But we're jumping ahead. Here's an outline of where we're headed today. A very different betrothal, a very different name, and a very different king. A very different betrothal, different name, very different king. So this historical account Matthew gives us begins with a very different betrothal. Very different betrothal. So just think about what happened in the run to Jesus' birth from Mary and Joseph's perspective. See, Matthew writes this biography of Jesus to help us see that he is God's king, uh, that he's of cosmic, eternal significance, key to God's plans for heaven and earth and all people ever. But he starts here showing us how it had real practical impact on a young couple from Galilee. It wasn't convenient, it wasn't straightforward, it wasn't Christmassy. Mary being pregnant with Jesus had the potential to ruin life for Mary and Joseph. Uh, if you've got a Bible in front of you there, because I haven't got slides for you, so if you keep Matthew 1 in front of you, it'd be great. Uh, verse 18, they were pledged to be married. So in this cult their culture, this was more full on than our modern day being engaged. It was more like 
they began the process of married life together without the living and sleeping together parts. So for example, back in the UK, um, we had a good Muslim friend and when she got, when she got engaged, her fiance moved out of his parents' home so that she could move in with them and get to know them and get to become part of the family. So it was more like that kind of thing. And ending such a betrothal wasn't like calling off an engagement. It meant divorce. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So the first Christmas begins with division, a broken heart, disappointment. Like a lot of our families at Christmas, it was complicated and messy. You know, this could stack the odds against them making it in the world for the rest of their lives. So in their shame on a culture, Joseph could have had Mary publicly shamed or worse. But instead, he has in mind to divorce her quietly. The, the least fuss, most compassionate way he can leave Mary, uh, bringing her the least shame. But there is help at hand for Joseph. I mean, you never see this on Christmas cards, do you? You see angels with the shepherds and you see angels with Mary, but Joseph gets a visit from an angel. That just means a messenger as well. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew's account doesn't have shepherds or details around Jesus' birth. It's a bit more nuts and bolts and really clear that Mary had not had sex. So verse 18, before they came together, verse 20, what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, a virgin will conceive. Verse 25, he did not consummate the marriage. So do you get the picture? Get the message? No sex. And if you find it hard to believe Mary being pregnant had nothing to do with a bloke, well, it's worth remembering Joseph found it hard to believe too. And Matthew doesn't write this gospel as if he's going to just take it as, yeah, that's just a normal thing. He writes about it as it is, as an amazing, miraculous, really significant thing. And the angel helps Joseph further. He lets Joseph know his baby's very different name. Very different name, an exception. So Matthew 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So the name Jesus is the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So Jesus is God intervening directly in history to save us from our sins. As names go, that's a very different name, isn't it? A name that says, A, there's something so radically wrong with us, we need saving by God. And B, this child is going to be the one to do the saving. The Bible says all of us have something deeply, fundamentally wrong with us. 
we've all broken our relationship with God. We're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're created to love and to serve God. That's where real life is found. But in our own way, each of us have pridefully rejected God's rule and put, us, put ourselves in the driving seat. And that means that without Jesus, everyone is in a relationship crisis this Christmas. A relationship crisis between us and God. In this very different year, we need a very different Christmas. We need more than noise cancelling headphones to drown out our conscience. We need more than gatherings of 50 and magical feelings to make sense of knowing that we know there's more to life. We need more than Instamax cameras capturing the moment because we know every moment isn't quite right. We need more than vintage vinyl, more than nostalgia, because we know our past is broken and all our records scratched. Jesus' very name tells us that we need saving, that we can't save ourselves but that he can. But how? Well, verse 18 tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's God's very different king. Very different king. If this baby is God's promised king, what's so special about him that means he will succeed in fixing the problem between God and humanity when everyone else has failed? See, the idea of a Messiah or chosen one come to rescue and save God's people wasn't a new one. There have been loads of pretenders, usually promising a political or military rescue from the occupying forces and failing. The idea of a king wasn't new. In fact, Jesus was descended from royalty, from, and lots of them, lots of these kings that had come before him had been real ratbags. Even the very best of them, the most successful of them, had failed too. King David admitted, committed adultery and had his, his mistress's husband bumped off. Uh, next in line, Solomon, he ruled Israel um, when she was the envy of the nations. And then thank God by worshiping his wife's false idols. So what makes Jesus so different? How is he gonna be able to save where so many others have failed? Well, the difference is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Verse 20. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We're told another name for Jesus, which tells us why he's the perfect gift this Christmas. Verse 22 and verse 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. The creator of the universe, conceived and born as a human. Up to this point, whenever God had been in the Bible, whenever God had been directly present with his people, it appeared as a fire or a pillar of smoke. When Moses had even caught just a glimpse of God's glory, what he saw was so glorious, he had to wear a veil on his face before he could appear before the people, as it still shone with God's glory. But now, the one who created life itself, the one who put galaxies in place, 
becomes a helpless baby because this time he's come to save us. So Jesus isn't just a political activist with God's agenda. Jesus isn't just a guru or a prophet or a wise teacher who came to tell us how to find God. Jesus is God come down to find us. It's like the difference between going to a concert and being with the artist in person. So my friend in England went to see a band called James at the Manchester Arena, so kind of bigger than the entertainment centre, seats 21,000 people, because they're a really big band in the UK. But here, not so popular. So Sharon and I got to be much more up close and personal when we went to see them play at the Gov, just a dance floor away. But better than that, years ago, Sharon went to see the same band when they played and they, they, the concert went on too long and lots of the audience missed the last train home. So the band came to the train station to meet them in person. So with Jesus, we're no longer just in God's general presence, just around about him. He's come in person. And that means we can know God. That means we aren't left, in, left guessing if God loves us or cares about us. You see, it's not like Jesus was on the subs bench and God called him into play because plan A hadn't worked out. No, Jesus, God the Son, through who and for who all creation was made. He was so concerned for our standing before God. He was so concerned for our eternal joy that he chose to become one of us. So the one who is the whole point of life became a vulnerable newborn life. Later, Mary and Joseph would have to flee with Jesus to Egypt. So think about that. The one who created Christmas Island, Manus and Naru, himself became a refugee. Ultimately, he would choose to allow himself to be rejected, suffer and die in our place. To be separated from fellowship with God the Father, who he'd been in perfect fellowship with for all eternity up to that point. He chose that so that we are never separated from God so that we can have the free gift of eternal life sins forgiven perfect relationship with God forever in his perfect place so other created people <clears throat> excuse me other created people and ways of life, life may promise you the world but the creator of the world loved you enough to become a person one of us Jesus. So what do we do with Jesus and what his very different name tells us about him? See, God becoming human is mind-blowing, but what does it mean practically for our lives? Well, first, it means we've got to get his name right. Get his name right. Have you ever been called the wrong name by someone in conversation. It's awkward, isn't it? Like, do you correct them? Or uh, well, then you decide not to correct them. And then somebody else who does remember what your actual name is comes along and suddenly it's really obvious that you've been letting them, the first person, call you the wrong name all that time. And oh, it's just so awkward. 
Well, this Christmas, ask yourself, have you been getting Jesus' name, who he is and what he's about, all wrong? We tend to want to box Jesus to make him safe. So people will call Jesus a great teacher, a spiritual person, someone with a special sense of God's presence. Because it's easier for us to refuse to give our life over to someone like that. But Jesus isn't just one of us. He is also the everlasting, almighty God. And he demands your life and your autonomy, your self-rule. The thing is, you can trust him with rule over you. It's as we give up our life to Jesus that we find true life. We find the goodness of relationship with him and there is no better gift. In this life, we strive to find our place, a belonging, a sense of worth, some peace for ourselves. But Jesus thought you were so worth loving, that your trouble with God was so serious that he gave up his place of perfect belonging and peace for you to be born in pre-industrial first century Palestine. Even as followers of Jesus, we can end up keeping Jesus in a box by doubting what he can do. The great thing about Christmas is we keep returning to this truth that Jesus is God, that Jesus is God. So that bad habit you're struggling with, your doubts, your fears, Jesus can deal with those. He can deal with you. He can change you because he is God. And once we get our heads around that, all the other bits of the gospel that we're going to see later this year, uh, uh, sorry, early in 2021, as we continue in Matthew, all those other bits of the gospel that are hard to believe fall into place. So he's God. Well, of course he can walk on water and change the weather and raise the dead. Jesus is God, so of course he can endure unbearable suffering. Of course his death is sufficient to pay the penalty for all sin, ever. Of course he's resurrected. Of course he can resurrect us to eternal life with him because Jesus is God. So we need to get his name right. Second, we need to trust in his name. We need to trust him to do what his name says. That is, we need to stop trying to save ourselves. See, if God coming to be with us is what it takes to save us from our sins. If God coming to be with us is what it takes to save us from our sins, we can give up the idea that we can ever save ourselves. All other religions and philosophies are variations on the theme of, if you get things right enough, you'll be okay. But Jesus shows us that we're so separated from God, our rebellion against him so serious, that we can't make our own way back. Jesus says, you can't make it to God, so I'm coming to you. Trust in me. And that's so freeing. Instead of trying to make life worthwhile and good enough through relationships and sex and fun and work and family, we can instead, we can enjoy those things God's way, trusting in Jesus to save us.
with him as the meaning and the purpose of our life, as our salvation. Every year Christmas gives us a glimpse into everything being all right, it's peace and goodwill. That peace and goodwill, that's ours forever when we repent of trying to save ourselves and give ourselves over to Jesus. Finally, we must share his name. Share his name. Give the good, the gift of this good news to others. See, culturally, we're trained as people living in Adelaide to keep this to ourselves because in our society, religion is a private thing. But God promises that many will turn to him. That Jesus, the good shepherd, has lost sheep out there and he's calling on us to gather them. So think about your friends. It might seem unlikely, impossible even, that they would ever be interested in Jesus. But God loves to do what seems impossible to us. I mean, his plan for salvation involves a young virgin from Galilee becoming pregnant with God the Son. Joseph probably thought it was all a bit impossible as well. But God, God can do anything. So share Jesus and leave the rest to him. So what have we learned from Jesus' very different name? Well, we've learned he's God with us. God come to save us. And what do we do that with that information? Trust in him. Trust him with your life. That's what Joseph did. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. All this would have been costly to Mary and Joseph. Joseph giving Jesus his name is tantamount to claiming Jesus as his own son. They'd have had to endure the shame that their culture bestowed on a couple getting pregnant before properly married. All those sniggers and tutting behind their back. And Christians, we're treated like we're stupid or gullible for believing in Jesus' virgin birth. But Mary and Joseph thought it was worth it because they knew it was true. And we know it's worth it. Because anyone who investigates Jesus gives him a fair-minded, serious look at will find that he is true to his very different name.